Holy shit. We made it. I'm Drew, here with Ashley and Derek, and we just got back from June 1st, 1984. The past. Y'all doing all right? I think so. My back kind of hurts. Uh, no. Man, actually, we almost lost you there, but we'll save that story for a little later. In the meantime, why don't you explain what we do here on New Release 1984? Sure. So each week we travel back in time to the best year ever to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. Bingo. Let's jump in. You are about to enter a world where people are moved by the music of a woman of beauty, where justice is in the hands of one man of courage, where the battle between good and evil is fought in streets of fire. From now on, it's for real. <laughs> From the creators of 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, rated PG, starts Friday, June 1st at select theaters. So, as you can tell by that incredible trailer, we just watched Streets of Fire. Tagline? A rock and roll fable, or tonight is what it means to be young. How do you like this one? Tonight, <laughs> we're burning more than rubber. Uh, sure. <laughs> A little, well, I, you know, maybe burning leather, of... burning, there, I could have worked, <laughs> I could have worked leather in for sure. Uh, it sounds more like a porn kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, there are moments. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> I was thinking more like a musical motorcycle mayhem. Mm, Simple. Yeah. Alliterative. <laughs> alliterative. Yeah, catchy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, a rock and roll fable is good. That's what's on the posters, except as I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, not a ton of rock and roll, not a ton of music in general. Mm -hmm. Um. Tonight is what it means to be young. Okay. <laughs> sure. That could be like for any movie, really. Yeah. More like a um, last, like a Dazed and Confused or last day of, of high school type movie. Mm -hmm. That would be appropriate. But um, I think they should have, they should have said something about, about weather. Maybe a weather rock and roll fable would have yeah. covered it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you know, we watched this movie by uh, firing up our burning hot time traveling scooters and traveling back to 1984 to see it in movie theaters. But if you're not um, equipped for that, you can rent it on Amazon or Apple. Ashley, why don't you catch everyone up and sum up this movie in 30 seconds? Ugh. Okay. All right. I am ready. Okay. So a musician named Ellen is kidnapped during her concert <laughs> by mm -hmm. a motorcycle gang led by Willem Dafoe. Um, she gets rescued by her ex-lover, Tom Cody. The gang comes after her. There's a lot of fights and fires throughout the city. And then her ex-lover defeats the gang leader and then she performs the concert. <laughs> Bingo. Um, Done. It comes full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, you still had like four, five seconds to spare. Wow, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, what I liked about the the opening and closing song is they were full length. They mm -hmm. were mediocre musical <laughs> numbers, but they didn't <laughs> they didn't cut them short. They played right. the entire entire song. Uh, we got a like we got an opener and the um, and Ellen's performance in the in the closing bits of the movie. But, mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't. They really went for it in that sense, but in terms of was the movie a musical overall? Absolutely not. No, very misleading. Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness to the movie and the, you know, the marketers from 36 years ago, I don't know if it was billed as a musical. I know um, the guy who played Tom Cody was known for this movie called Eddie and the Cruisers, a mm -hmm. motorcycle <laughs> musical go figure um which might have been more of a musical so they he didn't he doesn't even sing in this does he no not at all you wouldn't think he has a singing voice because he has like a super deadpan one note delivery mm -hmm. but maybe he was a singer in that or maybe he just looked cool yeah i'm not sure I kept waiting for him to break out in the song or someone to but it never quite happened the way i thought it would <laughs> did did he get hotter or less hot as the movie went on because i watched with a with a few females again and a lot of commentary on tom cody um i would say less hotter 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the, the mustache was really like sparse uh, when they first show him on screen. And then I, I feel like over the course of the next six hours that the movie takes place in, he develops a little stubble. Yeah. So that, that's all good. It doesn't take him long at all, unlike, unlike Indiana Jones, to un, unjacket himself and reveal his, his sleeveless. Beautiful bod. Yeah, his uh, like suspenders over no shirt <laughs> look. Which it's a great cool. look. Yeah. yeah. A lot of suspenders in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and that like that's like where he peaked in the movie. That was the very beginning, and then I was like, okay, now he has more clothes on, and I don't like he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, his, his personality didn't didn't, didn't get no. any better. That's probably the problem. Although he's he's kind of a hero. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll maybe get to that in the character segment. I just realized that our rank the blank could have revolved around outfits or who had the best suspenders. Um, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Well, although Rick Moranis. <laughs> his yeah. looks were also pretty uh pretty distinct if, if that's, that's very if true that's your thing if you're a, seers- <laughs> a matching uh seersucker jacket and, and shirt whatever, whatever you call that pattern the bow tie yeah, the nerd go to the nerd go-to from the 80s yeah um so anyway let's uh let's get into it did you know about this movie uh before we watched it have you heard of it N- not at all and i didn't even watch a trailer because i wanted to be like, surprised by it so I hadn't heard I, of it. I was surprised. <laughs> Derek, have yeah, you heard of it? Yeah, I was very surprised. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. I thought I had heard of it because I had this um, friend who used to host movie meetup get-togethers. And I could have sworn this was like one of his uh, old like nostalgia movies that he referenced a lot. But I think I'm thinking of um, this movie called Class of 1984, which is more like street punks but more of like a hardcore like action horror movie i now having seen this i don't think <laughs> it must not be the movie uh that this guy liked and did you do any research ashley on like if this movie has a cult following i thought it did but <laughs> i might be off base um i did there's a, a minor cult following unlike the other movies we've watched mm-hmm. um but we'll get into it later but obviously okay. it didn't do as well so <laughs> Was was there one thing in particular that you loved or hated about about this uh, romp? Sure, I really love that the couple didn't end up together at the very Ooh. end of the movie. I that thought that was, was great because cool. usually they usually end up together. It's like meant to be. Um, but mm-hmm. she's doing a concert, and right before the concert, they have a conversation, and he's basically like, "I'm here if you need me, but like we can't be together." And then he walks into the crowd and leaves. And I thought that was great. The only thing that would have made it more <laughs> progressive. Uh, well, there's probably a lot of things, <laughs> but um, and, and the particulars of that relationship would have been if she was the one who was like instigating that versus him being like, I'm not going to conform my life mm-hmm. to yours. But I, I agree. Even, even the fact that they didn't give it a conventional, like, you know, the relationship wasn't the important thing. He was going to go do his own street justice uh gig and she Mm -hmm. was gonna pursue her music career so that was empowering yep exactly for me i we alluded to it a mere seconds ago um suspenders (laughs) (laughs) never has there been like more uh prominent and and can diverse use of suspenders in a movie that i that i can remember so i i loved i love that (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a point where you start to recognize them too. You're like, oh, those are cool, or like those are different. Like, you, I mean, there's how many suspenders do you think were throughout the movie? Like five? Um, yeah, maybe as few as five, but it was just so they were so ever present. Like mm-hmm. Eddie, not Eddie, um, uh, Tom Cody, formerly <laughs> Eddie from the Cruisers, was um, in the suspenders 100% of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. he had a jacket on over him and you weren't seeing him. Sometimes uh, he had no undershirt sometimes he had a really tight white undershirt that was tucked into his pants that were jacked up above his navel because of the suspenders yeah um, he looked good i mean i don't mean this as, as in that in an insulting way it was they were um effective suspenders so effective yeah yeah <laughs> unlike willem dafoe who plays raven was like the leader of the motorcycle gang his you suspenders like his... like no i thought they were great yeah. and they were good for like 
him because they're like leather or like leather maybe uh material mm -hmm. and i thought that was really interesting but they weren't i don't know he's also not very attractive so I probably didn't know. really well yeah let's let's get into choose your character because i have some thoughts there okay So this is the segment where we walk into an arcade and there is a Streets of Fire machine that just got just got delivered and we're scrolling through the character selector screen and choosing who we want to play the game as. So we've got Tom Cody, the hero of the movie. We've got Diane Lane who uh, she gets kidnapped and that she's the the singer. She gets kidnapped early on, I mean, in, in the opening scene, and I, it was like 20 minutes into the movie that I was like, huh, which character is Diane Lane? Because I <laughs> knew she was, her name was in the credits. Did you recognize mm -hmm. her right away? Yeah, I Or did. were you looking for her? Yeah. I just well, forgot I to look for her. I for her, but yeah. I, I already knew what character she was going to be, so. Right. Um, then we have <laughs> definitely the best, best named character, Billy Fish, uh, played by Rick Moranis of mm -hmm. Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, Kids fame. And yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. Yep, and lots of stuff from this <laughs> from this time frame. Then we have McCoy, the strong, um, probably uh, not straight female badass. Um, I like how not you a love badass because that was necessary for describing her. Yeah, yep. great hair, <laughs> inspired <laughs> and inspiring hairstyle, kind of a, a, a short Gee man. Uh, shoulder length, blonde, curly hair with bangs. Um, a unisex style, if I must say. Like, a guy could pull it off. I could pull it off, in theory. So Drew right? tried to pull it off. So, uh, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I'd say He-Man can pull it off, and you can kind of pull it off. <laughs> yeah, I, I once uh, dressed up as He-Man for Halloween when I was, like, six. There you go. <laughs> I had the bod. I had the hair. I had a cardboard shield. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Derek is uh, shaking his head a lot. So let's keep moving. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays Raven. They don't say the name Raven as much as they probably should. Mm -hmm. um, who was the, the girl who uh, talks with a baby voice and was wearing leotards and is in a bunch of like 80s movies as well? Did you recognize her? I didn't, but there's a character named Baby Doll. Yeah. But I'm not assume, sure if that's her. I assume that's baby. her. Um, anyway, we don't need to go through the, the full credits. Have we hit on which character are you leaning towards? Um, you actually didn't hit on the character I was leaning towards. Okay, so. well, go for it. Almost. Um, I really liked Reva, which is Tom Cody, the main character's sister. Mm. Um, she like owns or works at a diner, and she's always just trying to look out for her brother um, and make sure he's okay. And she's like, kind of, I don't know, she's like badass in her own way because she kind of puts him in his place a little bit, even though he's like, kicking the crap out of everyone in the city. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't get to her because I didn't want to have to say Deborah Van Valkenborough. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, but she's awesome. Her only downside in the movie is limited screen time. Mm -hmm. um, but she's, yeah, she's a cool character. I would say, I mean, like, the adventures of McCoy and, McCoy and Cody <laughs> is sort right. of what they set up at the end of this movie where they, they ride off together. She's always driving which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, like he's got this, this uh, 50s convertible and he lets her drive it or, you know, it, it, maybe it's spoken, but it just kind of seems like it's understood that she's going to be the one driving the, the bus. <laughs> she's going to yeah, be the driving one driving it. the car. She's going to be the one changing the tire. <laughs> so is, McC so is McCoy your, your character? I, I am going to, I think she's the coolest character. I would definitely yeah. want to play as, as, as her for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And we have a lot in common. <laughs> Just the haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it's only superficial stuff because she's <laughs> way cooler, way more mechanical, um, mm -hmm. way more of a badass. But if I'm, you know, projecting myself into into a character for a video game, that's the one I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Derek, yours seems obvious. No. You guys always choose mine for me, and I agree with you. So, you know, I would really like to play Billy Fish in a video game. Yeah. Well, what would his, like, move be to throw money at, at his problems? Bad guys, yeah. His special move would be taking his bow tie off and, like, mm. chucking it 
cuts Ooh, like a little ninja stuff. star mm -hmm. yeah okay all right yeah that's a good one um all right well let's go to um our breaking news segment this just in So last week, the Celtics and the Lakers were about to tip off in the NBA Finals. That series is about halfway over. So by next week, we'll know who the champion was in the NBA in 1984. But in the meantime, I found this cool little tidbit in the newspaper about a Supreme Court ruling where Sony was um, pushing for people to be able to tape television shows at home on their Betamax cartridges and because it's great for their business. And the Supreme Court ruled that it is in fact okay to tape whatever you want at home on your Betamax. It could be personal stuff. It could be TV shows. I'll just leave it at that. So good to know. Vic victory. Yeah, we win. Let's flip now to the box office report. There is, um, as, as we know, Indiana Jones was a big hit. It made like 30 some million last week. This week, it got edged out by Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which somehow we completely <laughs> forgot to- Didn't even <laughs> think about think it. About watching, yeah. Would, we have, uh, would you have been interested in, in watching that instead of like Streets of Fire maybe? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, now in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> but going into it, going into it, if I just had to choose before I watched Streets of Fire, then no. Yeah, we would have had to watch. It would have been interesting to watch the first two Star Treks um, and kind of get caught up on that universe and, and then watch the third one. But mm -hmm. that, I, I don't know how that, that was just off my radar. So missed that. Uh, anyway, Streets of Fire came in at number seven with two million compared to 16 million for Star Trek. So uh. not a huge hit. It had a the budget was like 14 million, which is half of what it cost to make Indiana Jones, <laughs> which seems like uh, maybe uh, overly ambitious for how much of a hit they, they might have thought this movie was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, turns out you, you might have uh, found this out in research. We can see if you have anything, anything uh, deeper to add, but it made 8 million total throughout its run and cost 14 million. So pretty big Ouch. failure. Yeah. yeah, it's harsh. <laughs> and Breakin is still, you know, hanging in at number five on yes. on the um, box office charts. Like, it's it's not distinguishable on screen. What cost? You know, Breakin costs like one point five million to make, and this cost you know fourteen. So, <laughs> I'm not More sure. Explosions. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the explosions. Maybe it was the. Um, I don't even know if these were expensive uh, actors to get at the time. Maybe Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah negotiated a few extra million but did you read any more about whether or not this was you know what the studio's reaction was to this flop I guess um I mean well I read that it was originally intended to be the first of a trilogy of action films so oh, wow so they said that, that I think that's why they had a bigger budget because like oh this is gonna be a huge hit we're gonna have two more. That's why at the end, um, mm -hmm. McCoy and Cody ride off together because it's just like set them up for the next movie. And then it bombed, so. <laughs> I mean, that makes happen. perfect sense. That's what mm -hmm. it, yeah, that's what it felt like. That was a payoff that like, <laughs> it, it felt appropriate for the movie, but didn't really land because uh, even though they were sort of cool characters, the world that they put them in here didn't get me excited to see more of their adventures um right I, even you know the characters were were interesting especially mccoy as we mm -hmm. as we talked about so oh well maybe uh <laughs> maybe one day <laughs> yeah maybe one maybe <laughs> um, uh how are the reviews for this movie hit or hit and miss um so i'll start with a decent one an extravagantly stylized pulp burlesque that is at once an objectively lousy picture and just about the coolest damn thing I've ever seen. Whoa. So that, yeah, so kind of switched very quickly from mm -hmm. being like, this is shitty to, wow, it's great, which is interesting. Um, and that's by Sean Burns of The Artery. And that was more recent in 2018. It was a little bit harder to find actual 84 reviews. Mm -hmm. um, another review, which I like, is the dialogue is shit and the plot, <laughs> is, and the plot is wafer thin. 
On the other hand, the music is great and the editing is fantastic. It's a 90 minute music video. Couldn't disagree and more, except for the first part. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, no, that's what I'm saying is I really like the first part and then you're like, wait, I didn't really like, yeah, so. So was that a good review or a bad review? I think it was from a super reviewer and I would say that he liked it overall. Yeah, it, it's weird, I mean, like, Obviously, the big draw was supposed to be these musical numbers, these the action scenes, like these big moments that they're building up to, and mm -hmm. yet none of them really like were that exciting or interesting. It was just kind of like not always a yeah, always let a letdown. <laughs> like the music was a poor ripoff of other popular styles of music, like Fleetwood Mac or something. Mm -hmm. um, it was clearly recognizable as a vibe, but not like, <laughs> I would never listen to it outside of the context of the movie. And even with like no. the movie building up to it, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really deliver. Mm -hmm. um, so were the reviews overall good or bad? Just I believe on Rotten Tomatoes, it got overall like a 67% like ability, which is higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but maybe just of the time, they thought it was like a different type of movie. I just think it fell pretty flat. So it's a little hard for me. Yeah, I asked um, our friend Oliver, who we, we've referenced a few times, like uh, who was about, who was in his early teens at this, at this point, um, if he had any relationship with this movie and he either didn't remember it or hadn't even seen it. So I was hoping that this was like an overlooked cult movie that I just hadn't ever gotten around to and and uh, mm -hmm. it was definitely fun so I mean it's not it's just it's hard to imagine someone writing one of those reviews and in like ending it with the coolest thing I've ever seen right <laughs> okay. settle down <laughs> all right yeah. um, any trivia yeah so I already said about the trilogy um so that torch there's a dance scene um in this bar called Torchy's like this motorcycle bar and there's this woman, um, very scantily clad, like in a mesh bodysuit and a thong, essentially. Um, but she was the body double for Jessica Beale or Jennifer Beale and Flashdance. Oh. That's why, yeah. She so, was really, really um lean and muscular um, she, so yeah muscular. she was ripped <laughs> yeah like we couldn't tell i mean she was wearing a thong which doesn't give uh, a lot of room to hide um any sort of male genitalia <laughs> yeah but the people um i was watching with were confused as to whether it was a man or a woman i was wondering if it was sort of like a genderless or trans character but maybe it was it was just that she's like had a, a super lean dancer body. Yeah, just a really fit dancer. Um, so yeah, so that was her. So a massive tent was used to cover the back lot and shoot for like the day for nighttime. And mm. it cost $1.2 million. So there's some of your budget. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, the, the rain seemed fake. The movie definitely felt like it was on a set, even though it's supposed to be using like iconic New York. Um, mm -hmm street aesthetics like <laughs> i feel like they're like, driving around like in a circle kind of yeah yeah like they're so. always at the same spot <laughs> um let's see so the film was originally supposed to be rated r but then they edited out some scenes to make it pg so one would have been you would have seen her boobs actually mm. um and then it was gonna and then there's a lot of like f words in it which basically would have made it rated r so so back once again to this is the weird uh, in between of PG, no PG-13 formally existing yet. So like a movie has to have tits and, and say fuck a lot or, <laughs> or <it's> PG <laughs> or they cut that out and make it a PG movie. It's mm -hmm. creatively that just doesn't make any sense. Like the difference between making this movie for as an R-rated action thriller versus a PG 
is like night and day. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's um, kind of weird. Yeah, and then how do you think Diane Lane was in this movie, like in real life? Um, I was thinking about that actually. I would say like early twenties, twenty-two. Derek, what do you do? You have an opinion? What do you think? Nineteen. She was eighteen years old. Mm. She She's did a little look baby. Young, yeah, she mm -hmm. just seemed like it. Yeah. Yeah, it was written for a twenty-eight-year-old woman character, and then she auditioned. They're like, "We want her," so they tried That's... to make her look a little older but she looks very young the main guy tom cody looked way older than her but that's that's pretty common for movies mm -hmm. of this period and probably still today so it's kind of the flip uh where like 28 year olds play teenagers right yeah. right so younger. teenager playing a 28 year old mm -hmm. i think i'm done with trivia do you want to move yeah. on? do you want to do some tropes yeah i found a couple interesting uh movie tropes one is called cherry tapping, uh, which is a, an interestingly named concept of, do you remember during the fight, the climactic fight between Willem Dafoe and uh, Tom Cody, where he's basically, Dafoe is basically defeated and he's kind of stumbling around and then Tom Cody strolls up to him and like nudges him and he falls over. Like barely touches him, yes. Yeah, that's called a cherry tap. It's, oh. it's either a, an anime term or a video game term for when huh. you just give like that little, that last little nudge. It's sort of insulting um, sometimes. And this one, it, it, I don't know if it came off as insulting or not, but it's kind of just like, uh, like blowing someone over with a kiss or something with, with, it, as a finishing move is, is not like Mortal Kombat style ripping their, ripping their heart out, so. I, yeah, I would have definitely guessed that term to mean something else, so I'm glad you... Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, interesting yeah, segue. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hellbent for leather. You could probably guess what this one this one means. That's uh, my middle name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Derek. <laughs> leather, leather Daddy Derek um, was hellbent for leather last week. And this week, the, we got Willem Dafoe who's, it, it basically means when leather, just just being in leather makes you more of a badass, makes you more uh, formidable, makes you better at traveling through time and fighting uh, on flaming street gangs. So yeah, that's, that's all the tropes. We will uh, move on to rank the blank, our favorite segment. Oh yeah. This week's Rank the Blank, we wanted to do something from the movie because we haven't seen this movie, so we thought it would be a, a good opportunity to go through the highlights uh, and, and rank the best musical moments. It turns out that <laughs> I was a little more optimistic about how many awesome musical moments there were, but that said, I would still say some of the, the music was, was the highlight. So the movie starts with a music number. Let's hear a little clip of that. Yeah, so we didn't get to the part where Diane Lane sings, but that's her, um, her character is introduced by that performance and then she gets, and then the, then Willem Dafoe storms the stage because why? He's so moved. I'm, I honestly don't know why he kidnaps her. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> he tackled her, man. Yeah, he tackles her down on the stage. That's true. He, he develops a rivalry with Tom Cody and, like, makes him say his name so that he can remember where to find him by his name later. Yeah. Like, that wasn't his motivation. He wasn't asking for money. He was just going to, like, um, uh, assault her, basically. Yeah, and he was like, I'll just, I'll have you for two weeks and then you'll fall in love with me or something. It was very creepy. Maybe he was moved by her music. Yeah, we'll say, we'll say he was. Since <laughs> so, there's no, like, story behind it. <laughs> the opening song, Going Nowhere Fast. I wish I could have, I could have written down more of the lyrics, but I forgot them. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you get hyped up from the, from the jump because of that opening number? Mm. 
I think it fell a little short. Yeah. Um, I guess I was hoping for something like super powerful and like exciting, more like a, like a Pat Benatar. Right. We are young or something just like, oh yeah. But it was kind of just like, <laughs> I had to describe it in a sound. Yeah. The performances looked cool. I mean, this, they weren't even that elaborate of like stage production or anything like that, but the, the outfits and the fog and the light, the lighting was cool enough. Um, but the music was just kind of like, like I said, just an imitation of much better music. Yeah, the first, the opening um, lines for that Nowhere, Going Nowhere Fast song is lying in your bed and on a Saturday night you're sweating buckets even if it's, and it's not even hot. So <laughs> that's cool. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> there is that, um, who is the sex scene between with, um, is it him and Diane Lane? Yeah. Okay, yeah, for some reason I forgot that they hooked up, they re-hooked up. For like three um, seconds and then... Yeah, yeah, and then they just move quick. on from that. Yeah, mm -hmm. but they're all, they're all, they're not sweaty, I guess they just came in from the rain. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the opening song, oh, I also thought it was interesting that the last two movies we watched, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then this start with really extended musical sequences, so that's mm -hmm. fun. But one's <laughs> a little bit better than the other. Yeah, exactly. Even the, the movie that wasn't about music at all, that for some reason started with a musical performance, <laughs> had the better, the better musical performance. But let's keep, uh, let's keep moving through stuff from this movie, <laughs> since we have to. Um, there, was, there was Torchies, the, the sort of hardcore club that everyone like, wears leather to, and they had um what type of music was that it was like a it was like swing rockabilly music swing rock yeah yeah um and then they had there was sort of two versions of it there was the band that had the the guy that with the slicked back hair i don't really know how to describe it um performing and then they kind of just cut to the the topless i guess she wasn't topless but in a she wasn't one point world. for like half a second yeah. She took her top off. Um, so there was that swing song. There was a music video. There was a, a, a like interlude in the middle of the movie that looked like a music video, and it turned out it was a music video <laughs> because right. they show it like playing on TV as well. Yeah, that was interesting because I was finally like, oh, it'll be like a music video, and they'll be like dancing and like this whole thing in the movie, and then it was just yeah showing Diane Lane or Ellen's uh, character's music video. And then it went back to Ellen, just like walking around. The one, the one thing I thought was creative about that scene was they, this movie had some interesting editing as Derek pointed out during the thread. And by interesting, I mean amateurish. Um, mm -hmm. But when they were doing that music video, it would just cut to black for a second, kind of one beat, um, like, a, like a slow strobe effect. I thought that was kind of cool. The opening credits went on for about 25 minutes yeah. and in between the fight scene the slap fight they would just like cut uh, they would do a freeze frame and then they would do a really uh, cheesy dissolve effect mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah somebody would get thrown through a window freeze frame dissolve effect another, another name flashes <laughs> on screen it was it was really cheesy even for a movie that's like I don't even know if it's trying to be cheesy. Like it just I, see that's the thing is I don't think it was. Yeah. Which is part of the problem how we feel about it, I believe. Yeah, I mean some of that's a sign of its <clears throat> uh, sign of its age and some of it was just accidental humor. So mm -hmm. the next uh, musical scene that we get is when they hijack a bus, the the heroes hijack a bus to, you know, get to their next adventure. Around and, the block. <laughs> yeah, get to get to the other side of the, the studio lot. And there is a doo-wop band on the bus, the Sorrells. And they, um, of course, are going <laughs> to end up singing, sort of doing an impromptu audition for Ellen. They know, they know of her. She's sort of a famous singer. And they're like, uh, you think we could ever play with you or go on tour with you or something? So they get their moment to shine there. And Derek, do you have a clip of that? That was one of the cooler songs. 
They definitely impressed Ellen because in the final scene, um, the next, the, really the next song we get is towards the end of the movie when they're opening for her before her big performance. And that song definitely was less memorable. Um, all, the, all the like big <laughs> songs seem to just not live up to the, the presentation. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of pomp and bluster and then yeah and then pretty generic music but when it's toned down and they're just doing acapella singing it was pretty impressive impressive musically mm -hmm. probably my favorite uh, favorite part yeah so last song of the movie of course um to bookend the beginning of the movie is uh ellen diane lane did you not uh find any research did she sing this no way right no, I mean, I was actually looking that up during the movie and I couldn't find anything around her singing it. Because the, so. the power ballad that they do at the end, um, who did you mention earlier? Oh, uh, oh Pat I meant Pat Benatar. Yeah, I mean, like, this was a, an impressive um, vocal demonstration at the end. The song went on for a while and, and sort of uh, ran out of steam but just kind of like when she's doing the, the build up before they, they have a breakdown and the Sorrells come out and join her on stage. Uh, Derek, do you have any, any sounds from that last performance? I've got a dream yeah. about an angel on the beach and a perfect That's <laughs> good. Yeah. It is. I mean, the voice is good. Right, so we are, yeah. It's an imitation. So, yeah. So, um, so she didn't just a uh, fact check myself. So she didn't sing any of them. Um, Holly Sherwood did, who also sang backup for Barbara Streisand, Billy Joel, and Barry Manilow. So, hmm. pretty impressive okay. backup singer. Um, and then the Streets of Fire songs were written by Jim Steinman, who also wrote for Meatloaf. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can wow. see the Meatloaf vibe too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that they didn't just it's not like diane lane needed to do anything they could have just cast a musician right yep. <laughs> but they could have she was uh <laughs> so impressive in that audition uh okay well let's rank these puppies um <laughs> it sounds like derek is leaning towards the sorrell's bus acapella track is that right yeah yeah hands down for sure yeah. where are you leaning ashley I don't want to copy, but that was the first part of the whole movie that I was like, oh, it's a good song. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to copy Derek. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be the odd man out. And just because playing that last clip reminded me that at least the movie mostly went out on a high note. And I did like that last song. It was maybe the fact that there were two songs back to back. They had the opener and then they had that song one of the few moments that built up to like a big thing and, and kind of and paid it off for at least the first 30 seconds or so. <laughs> um, and then it kept going. Yeah, they get it. They cut it to a shot of your character in the crowd. That's the last we see of Riva. Mm -hmm. um, they cut to a shot of Tom Cody uh, walking out, I guess. And then the last we see of him is he McCoy swings around the, the block in, in his car. She's so cool. Yeah. Um, and they go off on, on their next two uh, film <laughs> adventures. Uh, so yeah, I liked, I liked the last one. Let's, I'm going to go with that. And I, I might know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Did this movie win any awards? Yeah, it won an Academy Award. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Best original music. It did win, so it won one award, uh, not in the US. <laughs> um, it won best foreign language film in, to for, in the, um, the Junpo Awards in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> so there's okay. that. Wow. They were starred for like, Ameri like 
goofy American pop culture, probably. I mean, just mm -hmm. like that was in, in fashion or something. Maybe it was a cold hit in Japan. Maybe. Yeah, like the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> in Japan. Uh, Ashley Awards, got anything for us? Sure. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't buy the soundtrack award. Mm, that's a that's very memorable naming. It's like, well, it's, it's like a Razzie, you know, yeah. for like music awards. Just like, wouldn't buy it. Do you, have the, um, do you have the total gross of album sales? Oh, I mean, <laughs> let me look that up real quick. Um, uh, <laughs> while you're looking that up, let's, let's, let's dive into the 80s-ness of this 1984 release. Lee had a pretty heated back and forth on Indiana Jones last week because it was a movie that was, uh, the time period of the movie was 1930-something. Uh, mm -hmm. This movie is um, set in present day, but it's very like 50s inspired. Um, the diner, the diners, the cars, the outfits, the hairs, hairs, <laughs> all, all the hairs. Um, <laughs> every were, strand. Yeah, mm -hmm. every, every single grain of hair was, uh, was very 50s. But uh, what do you, where does this rank on the, the 80s scale? I would say, uh, I would say kind of in the middle again for me, oh, yeah. because it had all these like fire scenes. It had like the '80s cheesy music that wasn't mm -hmm. well done, but it's still very '80s music. The outfits were incredible. Yep. Um, and the hair, very. Like, you can tell immediately when you watch this movie, like, oh, that's an '80s movie. Right. Even I mean, it's I not did done a. Well. I did a subcategory of outfits for my love, but basically the by far the best thing about this movie is all the different looks <laughs> and the the wardrobe if i was doing a drew award it would have been something dedicated to the the wardrobe department the stylers so kudos kudos to that um mm -hmm. yeah if, if we need to define our or like um our 80s meter because i feel like there are some pretty just just like definitive we got music, we got setting, we got like actors, we got hair. Mm -hmm. um, I think this did check a lot of the boxes, but we got lighting. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, th I think it, it checked a lot of boxes. It's just a lot of 80s movies are inspired by the 50s. Um, like the same way 80s retro, you know, 80s stuff is in fashion now in 2020. In 1980, I think the 50s were the 80s. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> ah, I see your logic. <laughs> yeah. um, like Back to the Future and stuff, and and just like you know, diner culture, car culture. Um, I've got to say, I think that that diner is the same diner that they used in Back to the Future. There you go. Pretty oh. sure. Hmm. I could be very wrong, but maybe we should go Back to the Future. <laughs> again I'm I, I need some rest dude I'm tired yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to say higher on the scale than Indiana Jones for sure I'm going to say mm -hmm. around a, a 7 out of 10 ish I'll give it a 6 okay so yeah definitely higher than Indiana Jones but still not pivotal 80s and I did find out that the song I Can Dream About You was the most successful song from the movie and it became a Billboard top 10 hit in 84 mm. so i can couldn't find out how much money but is that i feel like i wrote that down as the sorrel song that happens before the final um before ellen's final performance so that was actually a sorrel song i think mm -hmm. and maybe they were a real I'm band sure. can one of you just please sing some of this some of the lyrics from that <laughs> in drill I can, I can dream <laughs> about you baby is that how good? <laughs> oh, that was pretty. That wasn't terrible. <laughs> Re should we? Uh, would you recommend someone rewatches this movie, or we call up our friends on Netflix and have a remake greenlit? Or I'm going to throw in a third option: Do we want to see the extended adventures of uh, Tom Cody and McCoy in their spinoff action sequels? So I would not recommend a rewatch okay. to anyone. Um, yeah, that's our first. That's our first. I know. Yeah. yeah. I actually, after I watched it, I was like, mm, I'm good. 
so yeah. won't recommend it. Um, I think it'd be really cool to not even have Tom Cody in the next yeah, one and just have McCoy and have it be the adventures of McCoy and just her being a badass by herself. Well, how about this? How about McCoy and Reva? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Reva's very supportive. She's helpful. And then McCoy can just like punch people in the face all the time. <laughs> so, also the movie, good real missed, missed opportunity by the movie that they didn't give Reva a love interest, which was really setting up the potential for her and McCoy to have some kind of oh, moment at yeah. least. So maybe we can get that in our uh, in our remake, or not our yeah, remake, like our you know spinoff, Hobbs, spin-off. And, where you Hobbs and Shaw style, where you don't have to watch the first one. So it'll no. be perfect. Defoe is. We kind of glossed over him a bit because he's acting the shit out of <laughs> this Raven <laughs> character with his quiver, his quivering uh, lips, his wide. Mouth smiles. Yeah. His flock I mean, of seagull esque hair. His hair is of. is on point. Mm-hmm. Um, is he attractive or unattractive? Unattractive. Yeah, he's too scary. Yeah, he's just very intimidating to look at in general. Like, I mean, he would have definitely won that last fight. By the way, the, the yeah the <laughs> the miniature sledgehammer fight that was we talked about best weapons last week used by Hero. Mm-hmm. What was cool in this movie is the the bad guys brought a pair of sledgehammers so that they could be on equal fighting uh, footing, and so because that's tossed, how fights work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it was a different time. It was the as as we explained, it was the eighties, which were the fifties, which is like the eighties are to two thousand twenty. <laughs> So, oh yeah got it yeah noted um, in that <laughs> timeline everyone used uh miniature like i think it's the things that when you're working on the railroad as they are as we've they're done, the ties yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so the things that you hammered and railroad ties with they hammered each other with although they never connected because that would kill them probably. right yeah so it turns yep. into a fist fight willem defoe somehow loses even though he's way more scary than mm-hmm. tom cody and um, I'm going to echo, that was a tangent, but I'm going to echo your sentiment that I wouldn't be like running out to people saying you have to rewatch this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sad that, that I watched it, but I'm not going to like be an evangelist for it either. Yeah. Derek, where, where are you at? Watch it one time. <laughs> yeah. <Can't, laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth, worth the experience, especially if you want to get maximum enjoyment out of this conversation you're currently listening to. <laughs> so, um, let's, let's move on because I wouldn't say this yes. is a dud, but we have some like insane, an insane lineup of movies coming the next couple weeks. Um, two movies that are huge classics, beloved nostalgia hits for people. One of them, arguably my most nostalgic movie, uh, period are coming out on the same weekend so we're gonna play a clip from the first one hello ghostbusters Uh oh ghost oh yeah dude you do they're mean you have they're here Someone's oh my God. Yes. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. Yes. Bill Murray, bro. The best, the only. We came, we saw, we kicked it. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. What What I love about that preview, that is not the normal, like, um, movie voice, dude. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Heard of it. What's the second one? Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. <laughs> They're clever. Oh. They're mischievous. They'll get into the kitchen. Oh, the kitchen. The garage. They'll get into anything. And once they get in, you're in for it. <laughs> They'll be expecting you at a special sneak preview Saturday, May 19th, directed oh, by sick. Joe Dante. We might have, oh. Should we go back to the sneak preview, or should we go to? Well, we'll we'll figure that out. Let's sneak into the we'll sneak preview. Yeah. Oh, a double sneak. So, <laughs> they'll get into the kitchen. Um, <laughs> I know, it's great. They'll get into anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Tagline opportunities. Uh, I can't wait to write the taglines for 
for that movie. So we've got Ghostbusters and Gremlins, which incredibly came out in the same weekend. So let's let's decide which order we want to. We're going to spread it out over two weeks. Um, the next two weeks, we're going to watch those two. But let's decide now which order we want to do that in. So Ashley, what do you think? So I'm very excited for both of them. Uh, but I would want to watch Ghostbusters first to save Gremlins. If that okay. It's just my thought. I really, I'm really excited to see Gremlins, but I've seen it a lot more than Ghostbusters as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm voting for Ghostbusters first. What do you think, Derek? I am going to copy Ashley like she copied me earlier. Uh, I do definitely want to save Gremlins for last. You know what I love to do? Disagree. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sure agree. do. But you can't I, this time. No. Nope. I agree. Um, I mean... Yes. Uh, Gremlins is going to be uh, a real, like, I might be at a loss for words talking about it because it's like, it'll be the first thing that, that we're watching that I like have a pure, like, emotional uh, attachment to. So I'm a mm-hmm. little nervous to, to talk about that. But whereas Ghostbusters, I haven't seen it enough times to where I think it's just going to be kind of a, a relatively fresh experience. And I'm, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I did rewatch it when I was living in Denver for that, that brief period, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking like, man, it's really impressive how it like hits all these different tones and hold, you know, anyway, that's exciting. So if you want to be first in line to hear the discussion of Ghostbusters next week, you should subscribe to our podcast by searching new release 1984 on Spotify or Apple. That's a wrap. Oh yeah. Remember when you didn't love me? Now all the time you think you love me. Life is really looking for. This is my countdown to love. Oh, this is my countdown to love.